0: You're listening to the Passion Church Podcast. Our mission is to help people win by living a genuine Jesus-filled life. If you are ever in Cameron, Missouri, then come and join us and be a part of the Passion Church family. You can visit our website, passionchurchmo.com, to find out more about us. Matthew, the 27th chapter. Hold on to it for just a second. I just want to say this off of my heart. I wrote it down on paper, but this is coming from my heart. This is Pentecostal, Pentecost Sunday. It's the celebration of the birth of the church, not just a church, the church, the church of demonstration and power. We are the church of God. We are the tongue-talking, miracle-working, healing church of righteousness and demonstration. Mmm, The worldwide witness to the power of the resurrected Savior, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. It all started with a blast, a tornadic, cyclonic announcement that Jesus had sent his spirit to you and to me. Mmm. And that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the baptizer of the believer and the witness of his wonder-working power. Mmm. God is always noisy in his announcements. In creation, when he wanted something to happen, he said, let there be, and boom, there it was. Are you with me so far? Mm. Whenever he told through Moses Pharaoh to let my people go, boom, 10 plagues until he finally knuckled under. When Noah's rescue came with lightning and thunder and rain, and the angels sang at the birth of our Messiah, the birth of Jesus Christ. And the church was born in a thunderous boom, in the power of a wind and a hurricane strength of Numa. Numa is the word spirit. It is also interpreted wind. It came from the lungs of God, from the nostrils of God came. The baptism of the church of Jesus Christ. In its inception, we weren't born in a quiet little stable somewhere no when he birthed the church he birthed us with a noise and he put a he put a song in a heart and a tongue in our mouth and he began to speak with through languages that we did not know yes this baptism of the church came with a new language and with a new speaker with a greater intent the new language was of God spoken by God through men at Babel language came to divide, but at Pentecost it came to unite all men to the message of Jesus. For Jesus is the official language of the church, according to Hebrews 1 and 12. For the God who spoke in the past by the prophets in these last days has spoken by the Son. I don't know if that excites you or not, but I want to say happy birthday to the church of Jesus Christ. Happy Happy birthday, church. Happy birthday, church. Happy birthday, church. It's about time that our society sees the demonstration of his power, who believes that we are that generation to bring his demonstration of power into being. Amen and amen and amen. If you've been baptized in the power of God's presence, you've been baptized into the holiness of God and his power, his ability. Now, Matthew, the 27th chapter, the 45th verse. I'm reading out of the King James. The verse just prior to that says, The thieves which were crucified with him cast the same in his teeth. In other words, they were mocking him. They're dying from their crimes and yet mocking the one who's hanging there in innocence. The church is always the subject of ridicule in the midst of the world. The church always comes under scrutiny and is misunderstood. Even when we put ourselves in the position to help the world, they still often... Find a way to persecute. That is not my message today, but I wanted to start with that. Now let's move on. Verse 45, now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. We're talking about the crucifixion of Christ. Verse 46, at about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And some of them that stood there, when they heard this, said, this man called it for Elias or Elijah. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave it him to drink. And the rest said, let be. In other words, don't. Let us see rather Elias or Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom. And the earth did quake and the rocks rent and the graves were open and many bodies of saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Now when the centurion and they which were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. Father, I ask, Lord, that you help me to wax eloquent, help me not to get jumbled up in my notes, help me, Father, to preach the heart of this message and what you want us to know today. God, I magnify you, I glorify you, and I worship you. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen, amen. It's good to have the Belfords in the house with us today. Amen. Amen. We're so glad that you could be with us. You do know your family, right? Okay. All right. So glad that you are here. And all of you who are joining us uh, uh, by streaming, God bless you. Your family, too. We're glad that you're here. Come on in and uh, enjoy the family with us. And uh, those of you who are watching by Roku TV or WOTG Network, God bless you. So glad you could be with us. Matthew, the 27th chapter, tells us something that I want us to understand today. I don't know why, but when I started to read this, this started standing up like boxcar letters in my spirit. If I was going to name the message today, and I really don't typically do that, but if I was going to name this message today, it would be the day the resurrection died. The day the resurrection died. Are you ready? Turn to your neighbor and say, fasten your seatbelt, Mildred. We ain't coming this way again. Mm. You know how many names I have to go through to make sure I'm not hitting somebody in this place when I do that? Mmm. The the resurrection. Mm. Our first glimpse of Jesus in resurrection power is found in Luke, the seventh chapter, where he touches what is called a buyer or a casket in name. A little woman is grieving her son. She's a widow, and she's now lost her son. She has no means of support. And not just that, but she's already been through this heartache once, and now to go through it again. And how many knows our Jesus is moved by compassion? He's moved by compassion because he sees his people as people who Need a leader, a guide, a shepherd to help them. And he comes upon this situation, and most people would would just bow in reverence. You know, today we still pull over to the side of the road whenever we see a funeral procession go by, and most people would just be reverent or pray for those who are in the situation, but not Jesus. He can't leave well enough alone. Jesus is moved by compassion, and when you have a heart of compassion, it compels you to do something out of your norm, out of your comfort zone, to rise up and do something that you wouldn't normally do, and Jesus sees the situation, and most people would just offer condolence or, or some kind of support or monetarily help in some way, but Jesus has a whole different gifting. He walks into the situation, and while everybody else has kind of got eyes on him, his disciples, what's he going to do, this unpredictable guy? We've seen the lame walk. We've seen the dumb talk. We know the deaf can hear. What is he about to do now? He walks up and touches the stretcher the body is on as he touches it <laughs> he commands life as he commands life to everyone's shock and awe <gasps> the body begins to breathe yes. the dead is raised Oh, they've heard about this with Elijah. They heard about this with, 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 with uh, Elisha. But in our time, in our day, somebody can cause the the dead to arise. And they're standing there. And that and Jesus gives this woman back her son, gives her back. Her heart gives her back her, her livelihood, gives her back a completeness that had been lost. And for a few moments, her heart broken, suddenly now is a place of great ecstasy. Why? Because she came in contact with the resurrection yes. of Christ, the resurrection Of God. Are you with me so far? John, the the 11th chapter, the 25th verse is the second place that we see Jesus as the resurrection as he's declaring to Martha, I am the resurrection and the power. I am the one who's been sent who will take care of this situation. Because she's chiding him, Jim. She's telling him, look, You, I understand that in the end, he's going to resurrect. He's trying to bring hope to her. I understand that in the end, we're all going to resurrect. I understand one day I will see him again. I understand. Oh, but in this moment, he's trying to get her to understand. The reason I delayed my coming is to prove to you the power of God in his Messiah. There was a purpose in this. And you know the Jewish tradition. I've preached this in the past. Up to three days, it is believed that a body can be resurrected from the dead. But when you go beyond three days, it becomes impossible. But on the fourth day, he stands to her and declares, I am the resurrection. You're looking at God's power to resurrect this situation. By using the name I am, the covenant name of God, he is declaring to her God, God, The God of resurrection is here. You're standing in front of him. This is the miracle that seals the death of Jesus on the cross. You know the story. I don't have to go into it. He stands outside of the tomb. All the professional mourners who get paid under the table to cry and to weep and to moan and to groan at the tomb are standing back laughing and mocking as he says, Somebody move the stone. Somebody shove the stone aside. Even Martha argued with him. Even Martha said, No, Master, by now, four days. In an arid condition, you know what that smells like on the inside of that tomb. I think we ought to leave things be. But Jesus snorts like a horse. I don't know how a horse snorts, but that I did it. And Phil's going, I can't believe this guy. <laughs> And he snorts according to the original language. There's something down in him, a righteous indignation that says, you dare to doubt God? You dare to doubt God? And he calls into the tomb, Lazarus, get out of there. Come forth. Now, I don't know how he appeared. You've seen me do this a thousand times. Every time I preach this, I've done it. I don't know because... It's tradition that they wrapped the body in linen and they mummified the body in a sense, the way it was wrapped. I don't know if he hopped out of that tomb. If he was laying horizontal, and I would assume that he was, he may have had to inch his way out on his shoulders. He may have had to just scoot like an inchworm. Oh, 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 I don't know. But I know this. When he appeared at the door, everybody was in shock and awe. And then Jesus gave the command, loose him and let him go. If you're going to be fully alive by the resurrected power of Jesus Christ, then you can't be bound in death rags. You need to come out and live in the fullness. Can you say amen to that? Mmm. But this is the miracle that seals his death on the cross, because in the latter portion of that chapter, after Lazarus has been resurrected in John the eleventh chapter the fifty third and the to the fifty third fifty second and fifty third verse, Caiaphas declares that it is better for one man to die than for a whole nation because he was more afraid of Rome than he was God's messiah. Mm-hmm. And from that day, they sought their moment to get him. And if you read on in the canon, you will see that they not only desired to kill Jesus, they desired to kill Lazarus as well to stop the noise of the miracle. Because even in ancient times, when you release a story, it spreads like a wildfire. They didn't have cell phones and Facebook. They couldn't spread it that way. But by word of mouth, it didn't take long to cover the region that the dead has been raised under the unction and under the power and command of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Our third glimpse of Jesus as the resurrection comes in Mark, the 14th chapter, the 51st through the 52nd verse. It's when Jesus has just finished praying in the garden. He's finally wrestled with his human will and the will of God and the purpose of God. And the purpose of God has prevailed over his desire in his human will. How many of you have had to have your own personal Gethsemane? To make sure your heart was right with him for the mission that God had for your life. I've had many of them. Because unlike Jesus, I have this flesh that rises back up once in a while. And I have to bring it back under the subjection of Christ Jesus. Amen? And Jesus has now determined, I'm going to do what the Father has sent me to do. Three times I asked him, three times I got the same answer. I'm now settled, I know. Three is a completion. I know what I'm to do. So the temple guard have come to arrest him. The kiss of Judas has been laid upon the master. And the same disciples that Jesus had instructed to go by a sword, one of them rises to the occasion. You know the story. Peter rises up with his sword. He says, hey, you're not going to get away with this. Jesus told me to fight, and I'm going to fight. Woom! He, he gets ready to take off someone's head and gets their ear. That's what happens with the church when we fight spiritual warfare without the unction of Christ. You go to take off a head and all you get is an ear. Funk. That's all the victory you got? And Jesus calms the situation, and he heals the man's ear. That right there would have made me not want to arrest him. Now, these aren't Roman guards. This is the temple guard. This is the religious order which he belongs to who've come out against him. Jesus calms the situation. The disciples see that they're not going to win or prevail, and they begin to scatter. But there's a mysterious boy in the crowd. And the temple guard tried to grab him to arrest him. And when they grab him, all they get is the linen cloth that was draped over his body. And when they grab the cloth, the boy escapes naked. He said naked in church. It's in the Bible. I didn't make it up. He escapes naked. And so for centuries we've wondered, who was the naked boy? Why would Jesus have a naked boy? (laughs) Some scholars have said, maybe it was John. He was sleeping. Naked? Who's the naked boy? Mm. Who is he? Well, I can tell you who he is by the definition of the cloth left in the soldier's hand. The word says it was linen. What was Jesus buried in? Linen cloth. It was burial cloth. Oh, come on now. Here's what happened. When the temple guard came to arrest Jesus, they asked him who he was. Are you Jesus? Are you Jesus? Again, he uses the covenant name of God. He says, I am. Yeah. Come on. You know the story? Yep. The temple guard who are standing there ready to arrest this man. He says, I am. They go, whoop, whoop. Yeah. they hit the ground. They're like laid out. They're going this is the craziest church service I've ever been in. They're laid out. They're all over the place and they're trying to figure out what power knocked us down. How did one man standing there speaking knock us down? And they arose. Gathered themselves. Got back to the task at hand. And in the midst of the crowd no one saw the boy slipping up from behind. Because what you need to know is in the time of Jesus and still to this day, there are graves that, that um, how do I want to say this, that date back to the first century, the time of Jesus, in the vicinity of the Garden of Gethsemane. And when Jesus said, I am, boom, and the temple uh, guard fell backwards, his voice, like in the day of creation, didn't quit. Yeah but it reverberated across the valley and into a tomb and resurrected a young man who'd wandered up just following the voice, not understanding what had happened to him, and he's standing in the midst, and they try to arrest him, and he goes, I don't know what this is all about, but I'm I'm going to find some place to go. We're talking about the resurrection and the power. It raised the dead boy as Jesus' voice was heard in his tomb. He didn't even call him directly. He just spoke his name. And by speaking his name, life was released and death let go. Because death knows it's no match for Christ Jesus. Can you say amen? amen? Oh, but now, Caiaphas... Has his plan in complete success? For now, the resurrection is nailed to the cross. The I am the resurrection hanging between heaven and the earth. He's mocked, he's maligned. By the church that he came to rescue, they're shaking their fist at him in hate, saying, give us Barabbas, but you can crucify him. Crucify the I am. Crucify the Messiah. Crucify the resurrection. Now the thieves that he's hung with are making fun of him the Roman guard is making fun of him he's mocked by his church he's mocked by his nation he's hanging in the balance he's bearing your sin he's bearing my sin and the sins from the first man Adam to the ending of time he's standing in the middle of B.C. and A.D. there with all the sin of the world that has happened in the past and all the sin of the world that will happen in the future is hanging over him as the dark convergence comes over the top of the cross where he's hanging. And there in his final moment of truth, I, the son of God and man, am alone, am broken, am feeling forsaken. Sin, not my sin, has separated me from my father. And the only thing that can come out of his tortured spirit is Eli, Eli, Lama Sabachanani. Oh, my God, my God, why must I hang here alone? Why must I hang here in this wretched, horrible condition? Why must I feel the disease of every man, woman, boy, and girl that has ever lived on the planet earth? Why must I be hanging here with all of this drudgery upon my body? Why, 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 why would you leave me in this moment? Even though it was speculated he was calling for Elijah to rescue him, he was not. They just didn't understand the language he was speaking. But one man had compassion and he went and he filled a a sponge with vinegar and gall and brought it to ease his pain. If he would have taken that, it would have helped his physical body overcome the pain of the moment that he was in. Oh, but ladies and gentlemen, there is no painkiller, nothing that can kill the pain of separation from God. There's nothing that can relieve that pain. And while others are mocking him saying, well, let's just see if Elijah comes to rescue him. Jesus, he cries, it is. Is finished. It's a contractual term that means paid in full. Mm. I don't know if the world understands this. Jesus erased all the sins of everyone who was under the covering of the blood of the Lamb all the way back to Adam. And all the way forward until 2020 and beyond to anyone who'll say yes to the covering of the blood of the Lamb. Your sin has been removed as far as the east is from the west. Can you say amen for that? For the righteous has died for the sins of the unrighteous. And when he, the Lamb of God, the righteous son of man, the resurrection and the life died, the earth recognized the loss of its hope of rescue for the Messiah has died. The king of righteousness now dead. The prince of peace is no longer in existence. The one to restore the order of fallen man, the one to restore creation's order is now dead and gone. And do you know what the earth did? it began to have a tectonic shift. For the word says that all of creation was subjugated by the sin of one. This is why things are chaotic and out of order, why animals attack other animals, and why all this craziness goes on in our world, and why a brother can kill a brother. Why? Because man pulled it out of its righteous order and tried to do it his way. And like Peter in the garden, it turned into nothing but mortal disaster. And now we've been living under that all of these years. And on the day that the resurrection died and cried, it is finished. The earth began to tremble. The earth began to mourn. The earth began to shake, thinking, oh, there will be no hope now. We've lost the Messiah. And without the Messiah, how can order ever be returned? And a violent shaking began to take place. Such a violent shaking came from the earth, not heaven, but from the earth. As creation mourned the passing of all hope, the shaking of the earth was so violent and intentional that it exposed the condition of the church that Jesus came to rescue because as they were standing there underneath the violence and the shaking, the earth was reeling and rocking, and while everything was twisting and turning, the veil of the temple was rent in two, and standing Anywhere in the vicinity of the holy holies, you could peer in and see that the ark of the covenant that was in the temple of Solomon was not in the second temple. It stood void of God. Caiaphas tore his clothes. In mourning, we've been exposed Everybody knows now it's a sham when I go behind the curtain. Everybody knows now when I take the the sacrifice in that it's meaningless. The intention of the heart of the person offering the sacrifice, I'm sure, was honored by God, but the religious order of the day was playing such a dangerous game. But it's also written that the glory of the second temple would be greater than that of the first because it would know its Messiah. The shaking of the earth was so violent that the splitting of the veil exposed the hypocrisy of the church for the Ark of the Covenant was not in the temple and the only glory of the second temple, the only glory the second temple ever saw was when the Messiah made a whip. When we want God to show up so often, we want him to come in with a gentle breeze and a kindly word, but when Jesus showed up to the second temple, he showed up twisting methodically a whip. He foreknew what he had to deal with. And when he came in, he drove out the money changers and the charlatans and the thieves that were making the church anything but the glory of God. He drove it out in fury. He drove it out saying, how dare you make the house of prayer into a house of thieves? Is this all right? Am I too intense? Look at this. The second temple knew not just the image of God that would show up at appointed times between the cherubim on a piece of furniture. The second temple had God incarnate travel through its courts, bringing correction. God with man, God in man, Emmanuel. Emmanuel but they didn't recognize him they didn't honor him he was a stranger in his own house He, God, had to stand at the door to knock, to get in to his house. He wasn't revered there. Caiaphas was, but not the Messiah. He was not revered in his house, although the house knew a greater glory than the first house, who only had God at appointed times. This time, the Messiah, God himself, God who was 100% man, 100% God, stood in there. Presence, the one they'd been waiting on, the one the scriptures told them about, the one that had fulfilled 333 prophecies was standing in their midst and driving out the sin. Because anytime Jesus shows up to the real church, he drives out sin. That would have been a wonderful place to clap. Mmm. Oh thank you for your golf clap. I appreciate that. I'm teasing. When the Messiah cried his last and gave up the ghost, the resurrection died. <laughs> it died. And Caiaphas and his cronies thought they won. Pilate must have wondered what the shaking was about. Herod must have been thrown out of one of his, I won't say the word, one of his awful parties. (laughs) The resurrection is dead. But I want to point to a very, familiar, a very unfamiliar scripture. We've read this a thousand times, right? But look at verse 52. The graves were open. The graves were open. And many who had died were raised to life. When? When the resurrection said, it is Finished. Death went. (gasps) (sighs) For a brief second, death went. (gasps) And when death went. Those who were tired of being encapsulated went. (sighs) I heard his voice. I heard that voice. Like no other voice I've ever heard. I heard power. I heard the command. I heard forgiveness. I heard righteousness. I heard ecstasy. (sighs) (sighs) Sorry, Abraham. I got a little more living to do. Now, the next verse goes on to say that... They weren't seen or known until Jesus came back three days later. So rather they were resurrected here or resurrected when he came up from the grave, they came up. (laughs) Look at this. Those saints in 52 were not revealed until the resurrection of the resurrection. We put the resurrection in the grave, but ladies and gentlemen, the resurrection can't stay in a grave. (laughs) The resurrection of the resurrection came three days later. And when it came, the Roman centurion and those around him... at the earth's response of the darkness and the earthquake declared this surely was the son of God in verse 54 they saw power released in his death they understood no other man could have withstood what this man withstood while suffocating he's crying for your forgiveness while dying in pain while suffering mental anguish while his body is being marred according to the word his body in Isaiah says that he was marred more than any other human being on the planet not so much from the horrible beating that he took but from the convergence of darkness and sin and death and sickness that came upon him. All of the the uh, the darkness that this world has ever produced landed on him and marred him through and through from his soul to his spirit to his body. He was marred, 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 scarred, tore, broke more than any other person ever and yet they killed him can you imagine those who mocked him speared him crowned him punched him whipped him can you imagine what they must have been feeling while the earth is shaking under the power of his final command Pilate saw it Herod saw it Caiaphas saw it they had to think in their heart, what have we done? It's after time. It's all your fault. <laughs> but the third day, we always rejoice over this, but on the third day, but on the third day, there he was. On the third day, who? there he was, alive and well. They couldn't hold him. They couldn't even guard him. Because when he decided to come up, boom, he came up. From the grave, there he was in complete victory. There he was with the keys of death, hell, and the grave, absolutely victorious. He went down, and, and my, my mind's eye, he grabbed the devil by the nape of the neck and shook the keys out of his hand and said, Listen to me, boy, you have no more dominion. I take it back. What Adam lost now belongs to me, the second man, Adam. Proper response. Thank you. Forty days later, he ascended with a promise. He walked for 40 days, and we know that his body was different. His molecular structure didn't know any bounds. He could walk through walls. He could appear where he wanted to appear. He could travel where he needed to travel. For 40 days he stayed on this earth so there would be a cloud of witnesses to know that this is real. And then when he left to go back to the Father, he left a promise. He said, I'm sending you a partner, thank you, to help you to live in my victory. Mm -hmm. I'm sending you a partner to carry out our mission. You're on a mission with the Master. You're on a mission with the Master, the Savior, the Messiah. It's a co-mission he gave to the church. Why is it a co-mission? It's Come here, come here. It's a partnership. We're going to do this thing together. We're going to run through a wall, leap over a troop, preach the gospel in ungodly places. We're going to take down jungles. We're going to cut pathways. We're going to carve our way into an unsuspecting world. Together, we are a partnership where two or more are gathered. There shall I be. Where two or more are in agreement, it shall be done. Ooh. You all are clapping because you thought I was done. Stop laughing, Dewey, quit it. I'm sending you a partner. Go out into all the world, make disciples, pulverize yes. the devil. Did you hear that? In this partnership. We can pulverize the devil. I'm fat. It's hard to do that. Go into all the world, make disciples, pulverize the devil, step out and go. I'll send signs and wonders to follow you. Stop trying to make signs and wonders happen. Just go. Go because you're partnered with the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the one called alongside. He's given you power you didn't have. He's given you authority you weren't born with. He's given you the strength to go that you don't even understand. He's given you, he's got your back, and if you'll go, he'll send signs and wonders to follow you so that people know that your partner is the Holy Ghost, and he is accomplishing what you could not accomplish on your own. Kel's looking at me like, I don't know this man. The church was born in victory of Christ's resurrection power. We've been given the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that Jesus had to conquer death, hell, and the grave. Even if I fall into a grave here, please understand I win. Don't mourn for me, shout. Don't mourn for me, shout. I made it. It's over. I'm with my partner. The final generation. I had so many thoughts, there's no way to get them all. But I believe we're in the final generation. I believe we're the last revival. I believe we are the remnant of the commission. I believe that we've been left here for the greatest backsliding of mankind. You think you're not important, and you think you don't count in the kingdom, but God left you here for such a time as this. There are no little eyes in the kingdom, no big use. We're partners with the Holy Spirit. Our job is to tell the truth at any cost. Jesus told the truth at any cost, at all cost, And our assignment is the same. To rescue the repentant, to disciple the believer, to bring healing to the sick, to make darkness and demons rue the day of your conversion. When the devil wakes up, he goes, oh my God. Amy is awake. Oh, my God. Robin's going to pray. Oh, my God. Trish is going to teach children. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Christian is going to lead the youth in worship. Kendra's just praying, I don't say her name. When Anthony wakes up, Satan goes, what can I do to discourage him? Because he's liable to change the life of a young adult. When Austin raises his head in the morning, his first thought is, what kind of cereal do we have in the house? raises his head in the morning warfare begins I'm steaming my own glasses our job church is to saturate our society with the resurrection of the resurrection for his spirit is Christ in us the hope of glory Colossians 127 so happy birthday church you are a product of the resurrection you are promised a resurrection of your own and all will be resurrected in the final judgment some to stand on Jesus left and some to stand on his right the word makes it very clear that the nations that have rejected God will be judged as a nation Some on the left, some on the right. If you've rejected him, you're on the left. If you've received him and accepted him, you're on the right. You wanna be in right standing with the God, with your God, with your Messiah. Why? Because your end goal at the end of your race is to hear the resurrection say, well done, well done, well done Steve, well done Matthew, Elias, well done, well done. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for the power of your resurrection. Father, we were a little bit over time, but Father, I don't, I'm not going to apologize. I thank you, God, for your presence. I thank you for your 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 spirit in this place. I thank you, Father, for your call and your commission. I thank you, God, that we're not going to take it lightly. Father, now that we're back in the house, now that we're allowed back in, we are not going to miss our opportunity. We are not going to stop worshiping you. We are not going to take it lightly when we come into this house, but every time we strike a chord of music, we're going to come to full attention and begin to magnify, glorify, praise, and worship you, because we've been resurrected under the power of the resurrection himself. We carry about resurrection life in us through the partnership of the paraclete, the the Holy Ghost, the one called alongside. He is going to bring us into new avenues, new places, and new means, and new strengths. He's going to give us words that we did not have. He's going to give us anointing that we could not have mustered. He's going to bring about a sign and a wonder that we could not have ever conjured up in any way, shape, nor form. But by being a partner with the resurrection and the power himself, we are We can command life over the dead. We can command life over a dead generation. We can command life over those that are obstinate to the message of Jesus Christ. We can command life back into the body of Christ. We can stand up in true revival. We can have a real awakening. We are the remnant church of the resurrection. And we take our assignment serious. We will see revival in this region. If you believe that, give the Lord a shout. Stand to your feet and magnify Him. I'm turning the worship team loose. Worship Him. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We would love to connect with you on Facebook or Instagram at Passion Church Mo. Until next time, God bless.